Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of your favorite Broncos podcast, the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me as always, is my partner in crime. You know him, you love him, as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we it wasn't too long ago we were podcasting, we were talking about Denver Broncos. It was Sunday, now it's Monday evening. We still have a lot to get to, but dude, what was that story? We'll, we'll kind of talk about this first. What was that shade getting thrown at the Broncos and Jawan James? Yeah, it was a, uh, I guess you can call a column from Andy Benoit of the MMQB, Sports Illustrated branch, and apparently the Dolphins had a lot of bad thoughts about Juwan James, and they pretty much said that he was a whoopee cushion, and they were laughing at the GM that was going to sit on him, and that turned out to be John Owe. We're going to talk about it, as you said, Chad, but it was, it really was a worse look to me for Miami than it was for Denver to make those comments. I, I wish I had one of those buttons where I could press it like the radio guys and the fart sound comes, <laughs> yeah, right? perfect. It would have been perfect timing, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that first just really quick you guys a couple of matters of business i hope you're following the show on twitter it's really easy to do open up the app find at huddle up pod click the follow button and you're locked in that keeps your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the podcast in real time a lot of you have funneled your uh twitter presence to huddle up pod and we appreciate you we're as we mentioned yesterday, we're up and over the 1,000 barrier, which is a great milestone. We want to keep that growing. So if you're listening, I don't care where you're listening to the show, just really quick, take a second, open up Twitter, find at HuddleUpPod, click follow. We really appreciate it. And then let's keep the snowball growing and rolling in regards to creative reviews, rating the show on iTunes. You guys have absolutely no idea. You get the podcast every day. It's free, right? It's a, it's a free piece of content that we deliver to you. Your way of, of kind of paying your way, so to speak, could be one way you could be doing that to show your your uh, appreciation for the work Zach and I put into this each and every day, including Nick and Carl, is to go onto iTunes, leave a creative review, give us a five-star rating. It's a big way you can contribute in your own right. Keep the show healthy, keep the show vibrant and growing. You guys have no idea how that allows us to compete and rise up the rankings on iTunes. So take care of that. All right, so, Zach, let's jump into this Jawan James thing because it does bring up a good point in that 
you know, and you mentioned it in in the reports out of the gates when the Broncos first signed Jawan James. You were pretty upfront in terms of look, yeah, the Broncos they probably overpaid a little bit for Jawan James, but my take on that, Zach, is that you know if you really want to fix what has been a turnstile position for the Denver Broncos, let's just say post. Super Bowl 50, even though it wasn't great before that, let's just say post-Super Bowl 50, you want to fix what has been a position plaguing your team. You want someone young enough. I mean, Jared Veldeer was solid last year, but the problem is you need some stability there. You need something permanent. You can't invest in a 32-year-old right tackle. So you bring in a young guy like Juwan James that's just coming off of his, his rookie contract. If you're going to get a guy just entering his prime, Zach, you're probably going to pay a premium. Yeah, I was adamant about the Broncos kind of overpaying, and I don't think anyone can dismiss that notion that they did, they did overpay. I think Elway would tell you that himself, but that's the market value. That's the way the market goes, and with teams throwing around just crazy money this offseason, I was not surprised to see those terms. It's just when you see that title, richest right tackle NFL history, it's always the shock value. It's always the sticker price, uh, but I thought it was a great signing. He was on my top five list of the Broncos targets. He definitely stabilizes that side. His only red flags are injuries, and he's had some uh, some issues in pass protection that they can clean up. They're banking on his upside. They're paying for his potential with Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper. And what I don't understand about the report is they don't even mention the fact that Cooper was in Miami with, with Juwan James last year. So if he was a whoopee cushion, don't you right. think Cooper were, would have exactly. recognized that and exactly. relayed that info to John Elway? It was a smear campaign. It was a hit piece. A team-driven, a GM-driven, an agent-driven piece, whatever, that was fed to Benoit and made to seem Jawan James look bad, and by extension, the Broncos look bad. You know what's funny about that? Just a quick aside. When we were at the Combine, I heard several people mention his name, and they didn't say Benoit. I always pronounced it Benoit, too. But they say Andy Benoit. Now, I don't know no who's way. right and who's wrong. No way. That's that's real. <laughs> I know, because everywhere I've heard that, I even remember the ben- former NBA player David Benoit. And Chris Benoit, the wrestler. Chris, yeah, the wrestler. I would. I see that nice B E N O I T Benoit. Anyway, let me read this quote. Here's what. Here's what the hubbub is all about from from Andy Benoit. He says, "Quote: Privately, some people close to the Dolphins waited to see who signed James with the same eager anticipation with which you wait to see who sits on the seat with a whoopee cushion. They <laughs> the believe hell? a rude surprise awaits that GM. Turns out the GM is John Elway. He won't hear the whoopee cushion until later down the road, insert fart sound, but the Dolphins are already <laughs> laughing. You can understand why Elway made the move. Right tackles are hard to find, and playing with a bad one can significantly hinder your scheme. But the belief by some in Miami was that other teams wouldn't know just how much energy was spent each week game planning ways to hide and help Jawan James. He's not quick or nimble enough to get out in space in the screen game. I beg to differ. Go look at the film piece that we published last week for VIPs. And he's prone to breakdowns, both physical and mental, in pass protection. Close quote. Now, here's the bones I have to pick with that. He is nimble in terms of getting out in space. That's on tape. And I think your point really hammers home the reality of what this this report or column was from Benoit. Because if in fact this is this guy was a lemon, and I'm not saying he's gonna you know be the second coming of Gary Zimmerman on the right side by any stretch. I'm not saying that yet, okay? But if there was any real truth to this, Chris Cooper was there in the trenches coaching this dude. If he was a lemon, he would have been like, hey, guys, I know you are interested and intrigued in this former first-round pick, just entering his prime, just coming off his rookie deal. But let me tell you, 
maybe bring him in, but just don't break the bank. Like, don't overspend. Don't, I mean, this guy's limited. He's got a lot of issues. That's what the talking points, that's what have been the conversations, I should say, behind the scenes. I can promise you that's not how it shook out, Zach. No, I mean, Elway treats Nichols like manhole covers. He's as shrewd as they come. And to pay Juwan James to make him the richest right tackle in NFL history, not only do they think he can start and thrive, they think he could be the tackle for the next, you know, half decade, the long-term stability they need there that they haven't had. He's still only 26, so he has a lot of prime ahead of him. I don't fault the Broncos at all for this move, for overspending or for targeting Juwan James. Like I said at the beginning of the show tonight, it makes this report makes – uh, Benoit, I guess you can call him, or the Dolphins look worse <laughs> than Denver does. I mean, they I'm, went out. I'm they sticking got the, to Benoit, dude. For what it's I like. am too, but it's just I don't know what to call him now. We'll call him Andy. Yeah. It, it just makes Denver made the right choice. They got the best right tackle on the market, and they overpaid a little bit. But all that we've seen on film, Chad, like you said, great in space. He got a recommendation from Chris Cooper. Obviously, he got the green light from Mike Munchak. All that adds up, and I'm going to take that over some random report based on some smear campaign. As you noted in the report. James, this is from your report, quote, James' struggles are noted. He surrendered five sacks in 2018 and five and a half in 2016 and was popped for eight combined holding penalties during those campaigns. So that's the biggest thing that for me I worry about with James is that he does have a reputation for lapses in discipline at times, which have resulted in penalties and sacks. Now, what mitigates that concern is the fact that you're teaming him up with Mike Munchak. Yes. So Rome's not built in a day. It's probably not going to happen overnight. But in the same way that Garrett Bowles is going to benefit from the tutelage of Mike Munchak, so is Jawan James. But Jawan James is coming from a much more polished and experienced position in terms of having been in the league now, what was he, 2014? Yeah, 2014, mm-hmm. first round, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Yeah, because they picked up his, his fifth-year option. So, I mean, he's got a lot of experience playing in the league. Garrett Bowles has two seasons. Granted, he started all 16 games both years. But these guys are going to benefit. They're both young. They can grow together in Denver's zone scheme, both of which fit really, really well, as John Elway said, which you also referenced in that piece. So, guys, go check out that article Zach published on Monday. And if the you know if this was true, why would the Dolphins even pick up his fifth year option? Why would they be so interested in right. keeping him last year and not trading him? So I'm gonna get off that, and I just want to say that um, on his average day, Juwan James will be better than Jared Valdir, and on his worst day, he'll be better than Donald Stevenson, Mental League Watson. The Broncos are no bones about it, getting an upgrade at right tackle, and like you said, a great great fit with Mike Munchak in that zone scheme. He is a Pro Bowl potential player even in Miami. And I think in Denver, if he stays healthy, and that's his biggest red flag, um, I think he will be a Pro Bowler. Let's switch gears a little bit here. We received a few questions in the Twitter mailbag yesterday regarding basically you know, whether or not the Broncos are going to sign any other free agents. Well, before we can examine that line of thought, we have to kind of know what the Broncos are working with. And Zach published an article on Monday breaking down what the Broncos currently have in cap space. And the Cliff Notes version is they have about $15 million. Now, in your article, and this is counting as this, I think you referenced uh, Albert Breer from the MMQB, yes. which is accounting, they're, they're getting the real information. So $15 million, $15.1 million available cap space. And they got to save a little piece of that for the draft class. Let's just say half of it, okay, depending on what shakes out. So there's a little wiggle room there. The Broncos, from what I've been told, are still combing through looking for opportunities, 
but it's all about value right now, Zach. But you also have to have the cash on hand to pay out bonuses. So they can't, even though there's some, you know, ostensibly on paper, it looks like they have some some wiggle room. They also, the last thing to consider too, Zach, is they have to have that emergency fund, so to speak. So, you know, you get into the dog days of July and, you know, inevitably someone at a crucial position always goes down. The easiest way to think back is in 2015 when the Broncos signed Evan Mathis on the doorstep of the regular season. They needed that little emergency fund, that cushion and cap space to be able to bring someone in. Yeah, Elway's known to roll over or go into the season with about four to five million. So you pair that with the eight mil it takes us on the draft class. They're not leaving themselves too much wiggle room. They don't want to cut it too close to the cap. I would say they can add maybe one more third-tier free agent, but I think overall they're done shopping. They can hunt in the bargain bin, but they have to go real thorough through that. But what's interesting, though, is like you said, Chad, they're not done yet. They're not really totally out of the game. A report surfaced, I think, of Mike Kliss tonight that they were exploring around Blake Bortles as a backup quarterback. So obviously they have some money to play with, and they can free up even more by extending Chris Harris Jr. I don't really know what they're waiting for to do that after paying two cornerbacks, but they can free up about $5 million right there. Yeah. And that's a player you can buy in free agency right away. So, um, yeah, they are pretty much, I would say, until the draft, done spending. I think one of the issues that holds him back is just having cash on hand because even if you extend Chris Harris, he's going to want a little something today, like a little signing bonus to, you know, uh, reward him basically for accepting this deal and for services rendered in other words also. And so you got to kind of move some money around, make sure you have that available. It's hard to, you know, you, you start getting into the economics of NFL salary cap and there's a difference between cap space and cash on hand. And it's just like the Raiders, for example, after they made a lot of noise on the opening day of uh, legal tampering, they kind of got quiet there and it wasn't because they didn't have cap space. It's because they couldn't compete with the signing bonus aspect. They could guarantee money over years, but they couldn't compete with guys who were saying, okay, you're offering me, you know, 15 million guaranteed. That's great. This outfit's also offering me 15 guaranteed, but they're offering me a $10 million signing bonus today, whereas you're only willing to, you know, offer me 7 million. So I'm going with them. And so it it does become, you know, a a disadvantage if you run out of, of cash in terms of, that money that these free agents are seeking up front. Now, that's not as big of an issue, Zach, when you're dealing with bargain bin guys and you're really looking for value, but it still can be something to, to keep in mind. But the Broncos do have that X factor, and his name is Mike Sullivan, one of the best cap contract whizzes in the NFL. Yep. And I have no doubt that if they want a guy or want to make some moves, they can finagle some money around. So they're not in dire shape, but if Broncos fans are hoping for a big splash or Eric Berry, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and we'll go through a a quick list. Today's going to be a relatively brief show, uh, but we'll go through a quick list of some third-wave free agent options to consider that the Broncos might be able to swing in terms of bargain bins here in just a minute. First, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, so helping us out along the way, it was kind of a perfect tandem On one hand, on Monday, you published the Salary Cap Space article, and then on the other, Eric Trickle published a a list of third-wave free agents that would fit the Broncos and ostensibly also fill some roster holes. And I'll just kind of go through some of these names. A couple of them have been plucked already, but I'll go through some of these names and just kind of see what you think. We don't necessarily need to talk about money, but let's just talk about whether or not you could see it as a fit and whether or not it makes any sense. So, Eric brings up the fact that the Broncos are still very much in 
having conversations about uh, experience backup because right now they don't have one, right? They have even Kevin Hogan. He's not under contract. He's a free right. agent. The only guy other than Flacco under contract is Garrett Grayson, who even though he has NFL experience, he doesn't have starting. He doesn't really have playing experience. Let's just put it that way. So Blake Bortles was, you know, sniffed around. You also got Mike Glennon's out there, Blaine Gabbert, David Fails. What are your thoughts on bringing someone in like that? Or do you think it might just make more sense to roll with Garrett Grayson and see what you can get in the draft? Yeah, I'm of the opinion that they have 34-year-old Joe Flacco. Go get a couple young guys and try to develop them and find your future franchise quarterback. I would not give a a multi-year deal to someone like uh, uh, Blake Bortles. I'd rather get someone in the draft, go with him and Hogan and Flacco, and hopefully you have your long-term and short-term answers there. Then uh, we have a couple of wide receivers pop up. Now, we've heard a lot lot of uh, bones made about the need for the Broncos to have a burner wide receiver. Now, Emmanuel Sanders ostensibly fits that mold, but he's not healthy, and there's no guarantee exactly what his timetable is going to be. And even if he were healthy going into the 2019 offseason, as much as he is a burner, he's also one of the best route running wide receivers in the NFL. So he's not just going to be, he's just, he's not just the type of guy you put on the outside and say, run a post route or run a nine route. You know, he's going to be used in a much savvier way than that. So you might look at bringing in some other speed guys and, and guys who can offer you that type of a skill set. Now, here's a couple names that Trickle mentioned that are still out there. I, it, and by the way, Zach, if you've heard that any of these guys are signed, let me know. But Pierre Garçon is still out there. Uh, Mike mm-hmm. Wallace. Wallace has experience having played with Flacco in Baltimore. Your thoughts on either one of those guys? Uh, maybe Mike Wallace on a short-term deal, if only for that that his speed and downfield presence. But I'm of the opinion, again, they have young guys on the roster already. Uh, keep mining in the draft and add to it there. I wouldn't want any of these older veterans to take away precious reps from you know, River Craycraft, Tim Patrick, or Deshaun Hamilton. So I wouldn't overspend on a free agent. I would prefer to go through the draft. Now here's something to consider. Here's a little teaser. By the time most of you are listening to this, this will already have been published. But Thomas Hall, who publishes and makes those uh, convincing numbers videos. He sent me an article that's going up Monday evening that's basically exploring whether or not Brendan Langley could be that take the top <laughs> off the defense type of wide receiver. And, and I'm just reading through his article right now. He does have some pretty interesting measurables in terms of Langley's 40. He has 4-4-3 speed, and that's plenty fast. You want to start talking about taking top off a of defense, you can do that with 4-4-3 speed. He also performed the uh, three-cone drill in 7.0 seconds, the short shuttle in point, or 4.21, and the 60-yard shuttle in 11.19 seconds. So his athletic measurements and his explosion and his long speed is definitely there, Zach. Who knows? We talked a little bit about this yesterday, and it's a similar concept of where you kind of reach the point of diminishing returns in terms of, you know, trying to transition this guy into a new position. You want to explore how that third round pick and that athleticism could still potentially benefit your team. But at what point do you reach that diminishing return where you're taking away reps from guys who can help you now? 
Yeah, and that training video he uploaded, he looked pretty good. He had some quick feet, and he would look pretty fast. He made a nice one-handed catch. Uh, I still think it's a long shot for Langley, though, considering the depth chart as it is now. Working in his favor, if he just wants to run a go route, if he just wants to use the speed, that's all the Broncos need, maybe he has a chance with Joe Flacco. I just think it's an uphill battle, though, in converting from cornerback. And like you said, Chad, I think the Broncos are trying to juice this third-rounder for all he's worth before permanently cutting him. I just, you know, I'd like to see it, and I'm rooting for him. I just don't see Langley actually cracking the 53. Right. You know, we've been proven wrong before. And the Broncos are going to give him the opportunity, but it is a situation you have to be careful that you're not cutting off your nose to spite your face. You got to make sure that the guys who can help you today, who are more polished, who are more experienced as receivers in the NFL, that you're not taking enough reps away from them, that you're inhibiting their ability to contribute and grow and develop as well. So here's a few names on the offensive line because the Denver Broncos, they got their tackle situation figured out. They've got Connor McGovern returning at center. They have Ronald Leary expected back to start at left guard, but they still have a hole at right guard. You know, they're talking about Eli. They're talking about Elijah Wilkinson as being the projected starter. Here we are in March, but he's very unproven. He started whatever it was, seven games, maybe less last season at that position. And there were times he looked good, but there were also times he was exploited and made to, to look inexperienced and every bit the undrafted player that he was doesn't mean he can't improve doesn't mean he won't improve but it's a hole it's not one of those positions where the broncos can go into the offseason training program with kind of a we're set and forget it type thing so here's a few options that you could consider as offensive guard slash center guys veterans you got tj lang the former packer and lion you got josh klein who was released from the titans Mm -hmm. john sullivan's more of a center but if you're looking for a guy who has starting experience as a center He's a guy could also play right guard. And then Quinton Spain, who is a similar player uh, to Klein. So of those four guys, I like TJ Lang. What are your thoughts? I would do one of two things. I'd either sign Josh Klein, who's a good pass protector. He wasn't last year, but he's historically been one. And then, you know, you have your your starter there. Or if you sign Sullivan, you can have him at center and move McGovern back to guard, where I think his natural spot is. But one player we're forgetting is Sam Jones. And the Broncos are really hoping that Mike Munchak can develop some of these younger guys, Wilkinson included, into starters. So I think Jones and Wilkinson will get the first crack. And I don't – at this point, I don't see them going to the free agent market. I know we're just speculating. Yep. Uh, my guys, if they go that route, they'll recline uh, at guard and Sullivan and center. Okay, here we go. Moving over to the other side on the defensive line, a guy who's a former all-pro, a former stud, Muhammad Wilkerson, uh, Wilkerson. Now, it's unlikely, Trickle says here in his report, the Broncos are going to take a risk in spending any of that remaining cap on a five-tech defensive end, let alone one with some character concerns like Wilkerson. Yep. Um, but he does have great talent. You know, he's he kind of has fallen off a little bit the last year or two maybe. But uh, uh, what Trickle is proposing is a short-term incentivized type of deal would probably be worth the risk considering his resume. I mean, he's in a, I, I don't, I'm not looking at it, but he, I know he's been multiple Pro Bowls. You can think back to that phenomenal defensive line the Jets had under Rex Ryan with Sheldon Richardson, Wilkerson, and then they even had the kid from USC, uh, what's his name? Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams there for a minute, too. So that was phenomenal D-line. 
He's a player, uh, Wilkerson, that Fangio would despise. He he quit on the team. Once he got his, his big contract, he gave up. He, he played uh, way less passion. I would not bring him into this locker room. They have some young depth there. They'll draft some guys. They have their starters. I would I would pass on Wilkerson. Here's a, f- a few uh, nose tackle options. Domitapeko's still out there. We kind of closed the door on him in our podcast yesterday with, with Zach Kerr returning. But you never say never. Also, Danny Shelton remains former first-round pick. Obviously, he never lived up to ex- expectations in Cleveland, but he did help the Patriots win a Super Bowl last year. He's a free agent. And then you got Darius Fallon, uh, formerly of the Chargers. So any of those three guys, do you see the Broncos that making any sense, peeling off any of those valued remaining cushion dollars to bring any of those guys in? I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to have Peko back. I mean, if only for his locker room presence and his his ability to stuff the run. Signing Kerr, like you said, pretty much eliminated that chance. But of those three, I, I like Peko a lot. See, and I like Danny Shelton. And I think one of the reasons why I do is because I was at the Senior Bowl in 2015 where he was making his push from Washington. And really his star started to, to really catch fire, so to speak, at the Senior Bowl. And he went on to have a great combine and then – went in whatever it was, top 10 somewhere, if I recall right, to Cleveland. So I like that kid being able to talk to him personally and see him just dominate dudes during practice. I wouldn't mind bringing him in, but I have a feeling he's probably going to be able to, when it's all said and done, command a little bit more money than the Broncos should be willing to pay. So a couple more here, and then we're going to get out of here. Off our uh, outside linebacker, Zach, there's a few options. Aaron Lynch. We've talked about him on the podcast before, former Niner, former Bear, a Fangio acolyte. Justin Houston, formerly of the Kansas City Mm. Chiefs, is still out there. Now, I would expect he's going to eventually be able to find himself some money and a lot more than the Broncos would be willing to pay, but he's an option. Nick Perry, you got Derek Morgan, now Nick Perry, former Packer. Derek Morgan, former Titan. Connor Barwin, he's floated around. He's he's probably a five-sack guy if you bring him in to rotate behind Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. So there's some options there, but do, do any of them make sense for the Broncos in your mind, Zach? I want Shane Ray back. I'm just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I would love to have Justin Houston. I, he's, if only to stick into Kansas City twice a year. Um, I just think, though, given the current depth chart, Jeff Holland is in line for a bigger role, and I want to see what he can do behind uh, Miller and Chubb next year. But I'd love to have Justin Houston. That would be the ultimate capper, I think, to this offseason. Oh, yeah. It no doubt would. I mean, at his at his peak, and he's not that old. I mean, no. he's up. He's about the same age as Vaughn Miller, if I recall off the top of my head. And at his peak, man, there was there were some great debates going at the time. I'm I'm talking like 2013 through 2016 of who was the better player in the AFC West? Was it Justin Houston? Was it Vaughn Miller? Was it Khalil Mack? I mean, mm. until he started getting hurt, right? And he had issues staying healthy. But he's an excellent. I mean, he's a when he's healthy. And firing on all cylinders, he's a defensive player of the year type of edge rusher. Do the Broncos need that with Chubb and and Vaughn? No. If you're going to spend dollars, you know, probably go find somewhere where you're really filling a hole, right? As opposed, that's what free agency is for. Let's look at a uh, an off ball guy. Couple guys here. You got Zach Brown, who was released by the Washington Redskins. He's a sideline to sideline speedy guy. Um, Pro football focus has thought highly of his coverage ability. Trickle thinks he's not very good in coverage. 
but Pro Football Focus does. Josh Bynes is out there as far as off-ball help. And then Kyle Emanuel, who's a former uh, Charger that most fans should be familiar with. Either of those three guys, Zach, you think might make some sense for the Broncos? I'm a big, big fan of Zach Brown. Uh, his coverage ability, he's, he's pretty much a three-down player. I was surprised the Redskins got rid of him. Um, I just think given the Broncos' disinterest in him and, and ILB overall this offseason, they're going to lean on coaching and with uh, Fangio, that's his specialty. And they have Josie Jewell, who they're high on. They have Todd Davis. They could draft one of the Devins. Um, and they'll, maybe they'll get a, a guy in the middle rounds. I don't see them adding a, a veteran guy, but that would be my choice. By the way, I found out I figured out, I should say, on Monday where the Darren Lee stuff was coming from, and it was from something Benjamin Albright put out on Twitter that was kind of vague. Um, on Sunday night, the Broncos possibly being in the mix for a trade for that linebacker, former Ohio State standout, went in the first round that's kind of underachieved with the New York Jets. If you could get him for a fifth-round pick type deal, similarly to the terms that the Broncos got Sua Cravens, I wouldn't be opposed to that, Zach, but then you have to think about he's coming in on, I can't remember what year he was drafted now off the top of my head, but he's got a first-round picks salary, so you'd have to be able to absorb that. This is his walk year, too, so he's entering the final year of his contract. And from what I've seen from Darren Lee, he's the antithesis of Todd Davis. He's all coverage and no run-stuffing ability, so he's kind of a one-dimensional player. I've never been that impressed with him, but if they can get a potential starter for a fifth-round pick and for a relative cheap uh, cap hit, they might go for it. You know, that, that, might, that might be a smart move rather than invest a first-rounder into a guy like Devin Bush. Two safeties, and then we're going to get out of here, guys. Jonathan Cyprian, now he's a guy – former Jaguar, who I used to really love watching play football. I haven't followed him as closely the last year or two, but he's a really physical safety that I used to really admire his game. And then Jalil Adai, most fans, Broncos fans should be well familiar with him. Former Charger is out there as well. Could you see either of those guys? Oh, and Clayton Gathers also from uh, the Colts. Any of those three guys that might make sense to come in? I mean, here's the thing, though, Zach. The Broncos are kind of telegraphing the fact that they're – pretty comfortable with their safety group. So is that really something you need to go spend any of these valuable dollars on? No, they're well stocked there. Behind Simmons, you still have Will Parks, who I think is in line for a starting role. You have DeMonte Thomas. You have Stuart Cravens. You have Jamal Carter coming back. Uh, this, This safety position is pretty stocked. I would not think the Broncos would add someone until the draft. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up podcast. We're taking Wednesday off, but Building the Broncos will be dropping a a podcast on you for Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. Also, this week is going to be really exciting later on because Mile High Huddle 24-7 Sports, we are going to be at the Mizzou, the Missouri Pro Day, where Drew Locke's going to be throwing down. We're sending Nick Kendall down there. He's going to take a little trip down to to Missouri, and he's going to take a look-see up close at his individual workout. This is a pro day in which it is open to media. So some pro days, they work like this. You, as media, you can actually watch and observe all of the lifting, the drills they run, the 40s, anything they're doing in terms of workouts for NFL teams. As media, you are allowed to view that and observe that. And then afterwards, also, you get access to the players via interview, right? Some pro days, like Iowa, which we're also going to be at, are they, they close off the actual workouts to the media, but then they make the players available afterwards. So in this case, what's exciting about Missouri, they're making the whole nine yards open to media. So Nick's going to be able to pay attention to not only how Drew Locke is doing, but the wide receiver, Emmanuel uh, Hall, how, what he looks like. He's going to be able to keep his eyes peeled for 
what the Broncos' presence appears to be at that pro day, and then just also how Drew Locke is looking, what how he sounds at the podium and all that. So I'm looking forward to that, Zach. No, it's going to be interesting to get a first-hand account, like we were at the Combine, of, of what the Broncos are watching for. I'm sure they'll be well-represented there. Of course, Drew Locke is the big prize. And the, the shift right now, the feeling is the Broncos are going away from a quarterback, even though a small part of me still thinks he's Elway is maintaining a major a smokescreen, and he will go after a QB. Uh, and like uh, we should know a lot more. I'm interested to see what Nick says, though, based on his first-hand account. I hope you guys pulled the trigger on that six for one on VIP last week because if you didn't, you're going to be missing out on some crucial intel on Drew Locke and what the Broncos might be planning for the draft. But in the meantime, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can find Zach on Twitter at Kelberman247, myself at Chad and Jensen. Stay tuned because Building the Broncos will be back tomorrow. In the meantime, be good. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.